Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. We welcome each and every one of you. And uh, we're just going to jump right into our uh, Bible study this morning. First Kings chapter 17 is where I'll draw your attention. First Kings chapter 17. We'll begin reading at verse number one. Amen. First Kings 17, verse number one says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, what a mouthful, right? Said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, I serve. There will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Live here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. And you will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine and east of the Jordan. There. Verse 6 says, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Amen. Verse 3 is, is where I'll focus in on uh, this morning when, when God told him, leave. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine. And that's my subject this morning, the ravine. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated today. Amen. Just to kind of give you some context of the time period that we're looking at today, um, when Elijah was alive, the the northern kingdom had experienced some 19 consecutive evil kings that were spanning about a 200-year period. And now let me just give you a moment for that to sink in uh, because, you see, there are parts of our world um, today where we have a queen uh, who reigns or maybe a king uh, or a prime minister, or if you live in the United States, we have a president. But imagine, if you will, not just 19 ineffective leaders, but imagine 19 consecutive evil leaders. So this, this was the time period that Elijah lived. In fact, there was a very evil king named Ahab who was married to Jezebel, and some say was the most wicked woman who had ever lived. And it was under their reign that the Bible says that Ahab did more evil in the eyes of God than any of those before him. See, during these times uh, of idolatry, when these evil kings would, they would turn people's hearts away from the God of Abraham, Isaac, 
and Jacob. They would turn their hearts toward false gods, the god of Baal and the god of Asherah. People would often sacrifice their children to these false gods. They would go into the temples and they would engage in immoral activities and they would turn around and they would call it worship and things that are too gross for me to even get up here and stand and talk about and describe. But the scripture says, under Ahab's reign, he was more evil than anyone before him. And so I'm just trying to paint a picture in your mind that this is a very dark, dark period of time, a dark time of corruption. We're talking about major scandals, tremendous idol worship, and God said enough is enough. And interestingly, uh, though God didn't raise up an army to take a stand against this evil king, instead God does what God often does, and that is he raised up one person. He raised up one man, and I would argue that in today's world, God may want to do something very similar to that. God may raise up one teenage girl to take her stand in her high school for sexual purity. God may raise up one young business leader to go into business to straighten out all the uh, uh, things where integrity is lacking. God may raise up one person to go into politics to get that all situation figured out and, and so much false and everything that's going on and agendas that are being pushed. God may raise up one person to go in and do what God would see fit. God often raises up one person to make a big difference. That's why it's important that we pray for one another. Important that we pray for our students that are upstairs right now and our young people that, that we are teaching the word of God. It's important that they understand that God can raise you up to do what God wants to do. So let's start this morning with an understanding of what does the name Elijah mean? And it comes from Three root words. L-I-J-A. Do you like how I broke that down? L-I-J-A. And here's what it means. I is the personal pronoun. Uh, my or, or, or mine. And L is, stands for Elohim, which, which means God. It stands for God. And Jah comes from Jehovah. And so whenever you put those three root words together, if you're taking notes, very literally, the name alone means the Lord is Jehovah. My God is Jehovah. The Lord is my God. And so immediately, when God raises up this prophet to stand down the king by his very own name alone, he's making the testimony that the Lord God is the one true God. My God is Jehovah. And he stands down the king who had turned so many against the one true God. So we pick up the story this morning in our text, 1 Kings uh, chapter 17, the first time we see Elijah in all of Scripture, verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 17, at the very beginning of the story, we don't have any really hard background on the prophet. We simply know him as where he is from. 
That's how he's identified in the scripture. You may say Bryce Jones from Illinois, all right? And so we learn about him by where he is from. Verse 1, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead. He's identified in the scripture by where he's from. And then it goes on to say, he said to King Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, and you can see he's going straight toward these false gods. He said, the Lord lives whom I serve. And he says, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, you have to understand the statement that's being made right there. What, what's he saying? Because what he just said was one of the most strategic prophetic judgments against the, the land that you could imagine. He said for the next months and years, no rain and no dew. Now, to put that into context, to make it relative to you and I here today, you'll hear people talking today that we are headed towards a global economic uh, slowdown, maybe a shutdown. And, and this would have, what he's talking about right here, this would have been an economic shutdown. In this agriculturally driven economy, no rain would shut everything down. In our world today, it would mean that you can't get gas at the gas stations. Some of you are like, I really can't get gas at the gas stations. Five bucks a gallon. And trust me, I, 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 I get you. I got it. It would, in our world, it would mean the bank's not, they're not just lending money out. You can't get your money out of the bank. That's what I'm talking about. You, you, you won't have electricity in your home. Life, as you know, it just ended. There will be people that are starving to death, and the unemployment will skyrocket. People are going to be dying all over the place. And so this man of God stands down the evil king and says, no more rain. And it took a tremendous amount of faith to do so. And so I'm reading this in Scripture, and I'm, on, I'm like, all right, here we go, big dog. You're about to just let, all right, he just made the statement. We're about to see a battle. We're about to see a fight. Let's go ahead and just, let's just give it to him. Let's see him fight. How many just want to see a fight sometimes? Those fights just scroll on Facebook, they just captivate you so much sometimes. I don't get it, like, and I'm not a fighter. Don't worry or anything like that. But I, I'm like, okay, here, it's about to go down, but instead, God does something a little bit different. He takes Elijah into a season of hiding. And we're going to watch over the next quite long period of time, God goes and takes Elijah away so God can do what? So God can do so much more in him than Elijah ever dreamed about. Why? because there's so much more God wants to do through him. And we're going to watch as God shapes this man in a very deep season of preparation, almost as if God is saying, buddy, there is so much more I need to do in you because there's so much more I need to do and want to do through you. And many of you can identify and will identify with the 
preparatory work that God takes Elijah through. There are three seasons that I recognize in this chapter of preparations that that I, I, I identify in this story. The first one is this. God takes Elijah through this season of isolated pain. Uh, 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 of isolated pain where he is very alone. He's got no one else to call out to. He's got no one else to message or call. And he's hurting very privately in a season of hiding. Verse 2 and 3, we pick this up. Verse 1, he says, no more rain. Verse 2, then immediately after that, the Bible says, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of Jordan. Now, this word in the Hebrew, kareth, it means this. It means cut off, or it means cut down. It, it, it means to be cut off from the source, to be cut off from the blessing, or very literally it means to cut down like you would chop down a tree. And you can almost... You can almost sense what God is saying here. It's as if God is going to say, I'm going to take you through a season of breaking. I'm going to cut you down a notch. I'm going to humble you. I'm going to teach you, Elijah, to be totally dependent upon me. I'm going to humble you privately before I use you publicly. I'm going to do something in you that's very, very deep so later on you could do so much more than you thought possible. I'm going to take you down privately so that I can use you publicly. See, a lot of people are there now. A lot of people are in the Kareth Ravine. They're, they're in a season of pain, a, a season where they're going, God, where are you? God, what, what's going on? What's, what's, what's happening? And the reality is this, folks, that God is right there the whole time. He's just doing a deep work inside of you because there's something that he wants to do through you. Some of you right now, you would say, man, I'm there. I'm living there. I've got, I've got my mail forwarded there. That's, that's what's happening right now. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm there. I'm being broken. I'm being cut down. Those things that I used to depend on, I can no longer depend on them anymore. I'm in that ravine that you're talking about, Bryce. And God may say, you, you, you've got to understand, I'm doing something in you. There's some preparation. There's some preparatory work that is going on. God is teaching us something that we couldn't learn any other way. God is wanting to tell us, I'm doing a work in you so that I can do more through you. Some of you, you're there. You're there. And you could be there on purpose. You're in that ravine. You're in that period. Elijah was there for months all alone. No one to talk to. No one can understand the Kareth ravine where God was breaking him. 
the great writer A.W. Tozer, he said this, it's doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until he's hurt him deeply. It's doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until he's hurt him deeply. Listen, this message this morning isn't meant to be a harsh reminder of where you are right now. I'm not up here trying to beat you up. I'm here trying to pick you up and give you a word of encouragement. If that's where you are today, you ought to be encouraged, child of God, because the more that God breaks you, the more that God is preparing you. I said the more that God breaks you, the more that he is preparing you for the days of head. The second thing that we see God take Elijah through as he's shaping him and molding him into a man of God and power as he takes him through a season of total dependence. Total and complete dependence where Elijah cannot depend on anything at all but God. And God alone. Verses 4, 5, and 6 says this. God says, Elijah, you will drink from the brook that I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. And so he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of Jordan. And he stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. First thing, those of you who are against meat and all vegetarians, God brought him meat. Praise be to God in heaven and on high. I see a witness back there. I feel a witness in the room. It's my little argument, all right? He brought him meat. So here we see Elijah is all by himself, and God, God does this miracle. In the middle of a drought, there's no water at all, and this brook comes up. In the middle of the drought, no rain, there's this brook that he gets to drink from. And then we've got God's heavenly catering service coming from the sky. There's these birds that go out and they find bread and they find meat every morning and every evening. They deliver them straight to the prophet. What was God doing? What was God trying to show him? God was very clearly and distinctly saying that no matter what and for always, Elijah, I'm going to be faithful to you, and you can count on me to provide for you. You can trust in me because we serve a God that is a God of provision. Many of you right now, you're in a season where there are there's something that you used to trust for your security, and it's been taken away from you, and you don't have anything else to trust in but the giver of life and the giver of all good things. I'm here to tell you he's still faithful and you can still trust in him though you can't trust in the things of this world and something's been taken away from you you can still trust God there are many that are having to learn that when everything else that you used to believe in fades away God will forever and always be faithful. 
God was reminding Elijah, you can count on me. You can count on me. I'll be your provider. You, when you can depend on what you used to depend upon, I will deliver what you need. How many of you know God is faithful? I said, how many know God is faithful? How many can testify this morning of the faithfulness of this God that we gather together and we sing about? He's faithful. And here's the, here's the cool thing about it. God doesn't give him... Uh, Two days worth of food. No, no. God didn't give him a, a, a week's worth of food. God didn't give him a three-month supply. What did God give him? He gave him enough for the day. He gave him enough for the day. Some of you are going to learn that right now. You're in a season where you're hurting and you're all alone, and you're afraid. And a lot of times our tendencies is to just kind of turn into a recluse and to kind of just grasp a hold of things that we think are going to keep us secure. And there are people that are stocking right now food, and their freezers are full. They're buying extra freezers and stores. And I'm all for preparation. I'm not preaching against anything of that. But I want to let you know that God still is faithful. And when these get in these moments where we feel alone and we start to hold on, I'm here to tell you today that God will show up today, and he'll show up tomorrow. He'll show up Tuesday. He'll show up Wednesday. He'll be enough for those days and the next day. He delivers enough for the day. You you're uncomfortable right now, and you're afraid, but God says, I'll be your comfort today. You don't have much, but God says, I'll be your provision for today. Some of you feel weak right now, but God says, I'll be your strength for today. Your friends leave you, but God says, I'll be your friend. I may not bring you more than you need, but I'll be exactly what you need in the moment. Friend, he's our daily bread. Exactly what we need. And Elijah learns to depend upon the God for that day, upon God for that day. God is teaching him. God is breaking him. He's cutting him down. He's humbling him. He's teaching him total dependence. When, when he has no ability to provide for himself, God's teaching him, I'll always be your provider. I'll always provide for you. And the third thing that God does is God takes him through a season of unconditional obedience. Verse 7, 8, 9, the story starts to break down. It's like, what is God doing? What is, what's his plan? He told me to do this. He, he, he told me to go, and, and I'm doing this. I'm doing what he said, and now it's all changing. What's, what's going on, God? Anybody ever been in a situation like that where you were obedient to the voice of the Lord, and then all of a sudden the direction changes? Verse 7, the Bible says, sometime later, what happened? Sometime later, the brook dried up. Because there had been no rain in the land. 
Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. Now, let's put ourselves in the prophet's shoes for a moment. It's been months that he's been by this ravine. And it's been feeding him daily water. And God told him to go there. And then all of a sudden, the brook dries up. And God says, it's time to move. Move on. In my mind, I'm starting to think, okay, God, where, what, what, where are you? What, what's going on here? I need some answers right now. You ever get to that spot where you're like, okay, enough, enough. I need some answers right now. God, what's going on? What's the purpose of being here? You gave me water from the brook. Now the water's dried up. It's not there. God, did I do something wrong? God, I've been, I've been obeying you. You've been telling me to go on. Did I, did I miss you the first time? Am I hearing you, God? I don't quite get it. I don't quite understand why the brook dried up. Why would the source of what used to feed me daily dry up? And Elijah's going to learn that the same God who gives water can take it away. Because often, church, God may cause the brook to dry up to give us the courage to leave where we are and go to where we're supposed to be. He'll dry something up in your life that'll give you courage to leave where you are and to go where you're supposed to be. Some of you right now, you may go, may be going, oh my goodness. This is gone in my life, but this brook dried up. This, I used to have this. I used to be able to trust in this. I used to be able to trust in my job, but I'm not so sure I can trust in my job anymore. I used to have a nest egg. I used to have this, and I used to have that. Some of you, I, I, I encourage you, don't be looking at your 401K right now, but you can. I used to have a 401K. It's like a 201K now. I don't know what happened to it. Like, oh, I'm done looking at it. I'm done. Some of this, there, there are things that we use to trust in that's dried up. There are sources that were secure for us, but those sources are gone. And we're sitting there thinking, I used to be able to trust this. And I used to have good friends, but then all of a sudden they turn on me and that friendship brook is dried up. I used to be really close to God. And it's like the brook is drying up. A lot of times people will say this. They'll say that God provides uh, or God guides by what he provides. And he does. Preachers will get up and they will say, you know, where there is vision, God gives the provision. And he does. God will often guide by what he provides. But I also believe that God also often guides by what he does not provide. 
God will often guide by what he does not provide. God, the same God who gives water, may cause that brook to dry up to give us the courage to take a step of obedience. God, I'm going to take a step that's dried up back there. I'm going to take you at your word, and I'm going to obey you over here. Some, I, I, I love the scripture, man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. We got our plans, and we like to write stuff down, and we've got a vision board, and we're. this is where I'm going to be in five years and ten years. I'm good with plans. I hope you make plans. But the God that we serve is more interested in steps. What steps are you taking today? What are you doing right now? What are you going to do for the next 12 hours? What are you doing tomorrow? He's interested in steps. He wants to push us out there so that we'll be completely dependent upon him and we'll take him at his word and be totally obedient. The brook dried up. And it gave Elijah the courage to be obedient. Hey, even when it didn't make sense. God said, go. Go to Zarephath. Well, but I'm not sure. Uh, I'm I'm not sure the brook, brook, maybe maybe the water will come back tomorrow or something. I I don't understand. God, I I don't understand what you're, you're saying. And all of a sudden, it all starts to come together. There were these things that are going on and we started out a why this thing and I don't understand, but God, I'm going to take your word. I'm going to do this and I don't really understand what you're trying to do in me, but I'm going to go. I'm going to do. I'm going to obey. And then all of a sudden, it all comes together. And God says to the prophet Elijah, go to the Kareth Ravine. Huh? What's that? Be fed by the ravens. What? What in the world? You got to remember what ravens were an unclean. Be Be fed by the ravens. Oh, and the brook is, it, it dried up. Huh? What? And God causes him to go into a new place. And this story is, is very rich, and I can't read it all, but you need to read it all sometime. The whole way through the end of 1 Kings 17, he moves, and then he travels to this place, maybe 100 miles or so across a barren land, and he comes and he sees a widow who God says is going to provide for him. And so he humbles himself and he says, uh, ma'am, um, really thirsty. Uh, could you give me some water uh, to drink and maybe a little snack? Could you do that for me? Because I'm kind of hungry. And the widow looks at him and is like, like, are you from around here? Like, are you the only guy who doesn't know that it hasn't rained? We're dying. There's a drought here. There's a drought. I'm a widow. I've got one son, and he's back at the home. I came out here to get some sticks, and I'm going to go make a last meal. I've got a little bit of flour left, and I've got a little oil in the jug. That's all I've got left for one last meal. Bible says she said we're going to eat and we're going to die. And because of what God is doing in Elijah's life, He says, no, you're not. And he looks at this impossible situation, and he begins to speak 
faith into it. And he says, the flower that you have is not going to run out. And the jar of oil that you caught is not going to run dry. Go back. In, in essence, he said, go back and bake me some biscuits. That's what he said. And they ate. She does. She goes. They ate the biscuits and the flour, the flour didn't run out. The oil didn't run out. None of that happened. And that was the beginning of the new praise song. Praise be to God from whom all biscuits flow. It's a, it's a killer jam. You got to download it later. But she, she does this thing. And they, all right, we're still, we're still with it this morning. I'm wrapping it up. I'm landing the plane here shortly. She does, and they ate the biscuits, and the flour did not run out, and the oil didn't run dry. And they ate, and they ate for weeks and months. God, again, supernaturally provided for Elijah in his unconditional obedience to God. The story's amazing. Read it. Just read it sometime. Then all of a sudden, one day, tragedy struck. The son died mysteriously. Mom's freaked out, as any mom would be. And she's like, is this God's judgment upon us, you know, for turning away from the true God? What's all this? And Elijah, did you come here uh, so that this would happen? And Elijah gets up because of all that happened, because God was shaping him and doing something in him that he didn't really have knowledge of at that moment. And all of a sudden, there's some of the wild in the Bible. There's no record in the Bible this ever happened again. He takes the boy upstairs. He carries him to the upper room and he puts his body on top of him and he looks to heaven and he says God I think that you can heal this guy I'm asking you to do it and God raises the dead boy back to life there are some amazing things that have happened in 1 Kings 17 and I've heard messages about the miracle the flower and the oil and I've heard preachers preach about it and how God provided and God healed but why all happened. I'll tell you why. Because God took this man to the Kareth Ravine where he was cut down, where he was humbled. God took him into a season of total dependence where he couldn't depend on anything else but God and God alone. God dried up the brook so that he could leave where he was to go where God ultimately wanted him so once again he could perform a miracle and raise the dead back to life. What's God dried up in your life? What has God tried? What has been taking away from you? What, what did you used to hold on to that you felt was security? And now that is gone, friend. Maybe it's God trying to give you a little nudge to take a step of faith and to totally depend upon him. I'm telling you, in the last days that we live, we're going to have to learn to operate by faith. We're going to have to learn to operate by faith. The pieces of the puzzle are not going to always be there. We're going to have to take steps. God, I'm trusting you. I'm depending upon you, God. I don't know. I don't see it. I can't see it. That's all right. We don't have to see it. We just have to know that it's God's hand that we've got a hold of. God used the horrible things to shape him into a true man of God. Why could Elijah have such faith? Because he had been to the Kareth Ravine. Some of you, you're right now in a season of deep pain as our music comes. And God may be just saying, I'm doing something in you. Because one day, one day, I'm going to do more through you. I know the easy question is to ask during these times, God, why, 
why are you doing this to me? God, why, why, why me? Why, why did you let that happen? Why did you allow this? God, why am I here? Why am I doing that? I think that a better question is this, God, what are you trying to do through me? God, what are you trying to do through me? What are you trying to accomplish? Peter said, beloved, think it not strange. Concerning what? The revivals? <laughs> Praying people through the Holy Ghost? Seeing a harvest? No. He said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. As though some, he say, don't think it as some strange thing that's happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. The Kareth Ravine isn't a place we would choose. I get it. But can I say, with the help of the Lord, that it's a necessary place for God to prepare us for what lies ahead. Don't think it's strange. Don't think it's strange. When God calls you. Verse 1, as, our, as you stand with me this morning, Verse 1, Elijah was described, and we read it together, as Elijah the Tishbite. What was he known for? He was known for where he was from. 23 verses later, he's no longer known for where he's from, but instead for whom he's from. Look at how the story changes. Verse 24, the end of the story, the woman of God, he just raised her son. She says to Elijah, Whoa. <laughs> now I know that you are a what? I know that you are a man of God. And the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. Oh, God may allow you to go through the Kareth Ravine so one day someone can look upon you and say, now I see it. Now I see it. I see it. I see it. You are a woman of God. You are a man of God. You are a child of God. I see it now. And right now, although it sounds weird, I praise God for the tough times. I praise God for the fiery trials. I praise God for those moments where the shaping and the, and, and, and the experience and all the hurt and the brokenness. And I know those days are still lying ahead. And all of the unconditional beings, I praise God because, because I pray that when people look at me, I don't want them to see Christ. I want them to see a follower of Christ. I want them to see a man of God who has 
has truth in his mouth. But instead, I don't want him to say, oh, that's Bryce from Illinois or that's Bryce who lives on the south side of town. No, I want them to say that's a man of God. And I hope that's in your heart too, that when people look at you, they see the Lord. They see his hand upon your life. The making of a man or a woman of God. Those often go through the Kareth Ravine so that God could do in them what he wants to do before he does more through them. I hope your prayer today is, God, um, you can use me. God, if you want to do more through me, I am open and available to you. God, if you can use anything, you can use me this morning. God, my prayer, if there's more that you need me to do, I'll step up to the plate. I'll do it. I'll go. I'll speak. I'll say whatever it is, God. You bow your head with me. Close your eyes in this place. Make it your prayer, God. Would you do a supernatural work in me? Come on, if you're in that season that I'm talking about right now, that season of hurt and pain and heartache, God, we call out to you this morning. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.